back. Hello and welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm Chase. I'm here with my co-host, James. Today, we're going to discuss some draft rumors, uh, some of the news that's come out of the NBA Combine, and just a lot of general Hornets draft, trade, team building talk. But before we get too far into that, I just got to ask you, what, do you, what have you been up to over the last week and a half or so since the last show? I think it was like 10 days or something like that. I know. We've had a, we've had a little bit of a, an unscheduled break, really. It's just kind of how the, the news cycles worked and the Combine, we wanted to wait till after that, so... I've been having a good time, man. I um, went away to Wales for the weekend, this past weekend. Um, we have, In Wales, so my, I bought my girlfriend for her birthday like two years ago now because of COVID, it got cancelled. The quickest zip line in the world is based in North Wales. That sounds awesome. Which, which is uh, in like a big old quarry. So you literally go from like the top of the quarry down Um and you think you reach 60 to 80 miles per hour and you're like strapped into like you're flying. So I, I, I bought her that. I'm petrified of heights. Like, absolutely. I've always said like, if there was a plane crash and there was a parachute left, I would rather take my chances going down with the plane. Like, <laughs> I am not... I'm not jumping out the airplane with a parachute. It's yeah, you're, you're the guy climbing out of the wreckage with uh, like brushing <laughs> the scrapes off, off, your, yeah. off your shirt. Yeah. That's me. So... um. So yeah, I didn't do it, but uh, I went with her for that. And then we we kind of just had a little weekend away and that, that was really nice. Uh, that was our first like little holiday trip for since last summer, really, because of COVID things. And we're still partially locked down until what, another two weeks, two, three weeks now. Um, so yeah, I've had, a, I've had a good little bit of time. Uh, how about how, how have things been with you? Pretty good. Uh, my girlfriend and I went on our first little, you know, post-pandemic jaunt around america basically basically we went to boston last weekend saw the yankees and red sox game it was the first like uh, large crowd event that i've been in since was that full capacity oh yeah baseball stadiums because i mean they're all outside they're 100 yeah, yeah. capacity so there was there was like twenty thousand people there it was pretty wild it, it was very cool to actually be out and about and you know have the ability to mingle with other people because we've been vaccinated for however long now but yeah, it was it was a good time. It was a it, in finally getting to enjoy the summer now. So even though it's super super hot, I don't know if people in North Carolina have felt the same heat wave that like the northeast region as a whole has. But I mean, it has been well over a hundred degrees even like the, at midnight. I actually saw in Portland, Oregon, or like the Pacific Northwest, was the hottest place on Earth like two days ago, like uh, hotter than the Sahara Desert in at certain points of the day. In, like that's that doesn't yeah it doesn't matter that should that should not be how how heat works in geography that should not be the hottest place on earth at any point but either way we this is not a weather podcast that's that's for next week when we rebrand to at the hive live weather report this week <laughs> we're going to talk some nba draft what, what do you want to get to first i mean there there is both a lot and not a lot that has come out because it's like not, not much is happening in the terms of like team movement because you know, the, the finals or the conference finals are wrapping up, but we did have the combine this week and there was some, some movement on draft boards that resulted from that. So well, what do you want to go with first? Well, just before we get on that, I, I just want to slip this in because I'd regret it if I didn't, that we are recording this on, uh, on Tuesday, which is the day that England beat Germany in the Euros oh, last yes. 16, right? Which I said to Chase prepping for this podcast, I was like, I'm either going to be thrilled or depressed as hell on the podcast, depending on how the game went. We won 2-0. Uh, 
It is the first time we've beaten Germany in a European Championships or World Cup since 1966, right? Which is when the last time, the last time, the only time England won the World Cup. So like we have lost to the Germans time and time again, and we finally beaten them, which is like, I, I likened it to Charlotte beating the Miami Heat in the playoffs. <laughs> like you finally get over that hump of the team that just seems to like beat you the last last couple of times Charlotte got to the playoffs. So yeah, thrilled about that. So I'm in positive mood here. Um, you you mentioned the combine. It's been really interesting this week because not only have we had the draft combine for the first time because we didn't have it last year, so the first time in a couple of years. Also, how it used to work is after the combine, different prospects would hold pro days like scattered across the country of the US. And scouts and NBA personnel would be going and you'd see clips and news bits kind of leaking out across the, the different workouts for like, I don't know, two, three weeks. This year, they changed it where all the... Uh, now, if you want to do pro day, you have to do it as part of the NBA draft combine. So they're all that happened straight after the combine itself, which just meant that the, the scouts, et cetera, didn't have to go anywhere, um, which means they'll get more time at home with their loved ones and they won't be able to be on the road in like Las Vegas and other places, which I'm sure the scouts are pretending to be happy about, but really like, <laughs> damn, I quite enjoyed my trips away. Yeah, oh no, I, I don't, I can't go on that week long trip to Vegas with a paid yeah. play. Oh, darn. Yeah, but <laughs> I get a you know, I got to get up with my kids at 5am and that's just great and rewarding too. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, so we've had kind of a real tidal wave of news. ESPN dropped a new mock draft today, which is really interesting, which we're going to touch on. Um, my immediate takeaways were that quite a lot of the borderline second round guys didn't play, which is a bit of a shame. Like Charles Bassey didn't play. Uh, Brandon... Um, Brandon Boston didn't play. Um, so that, that was a shame. I got to watch one of the scrimmages. It's really hard for me over here. I know, I know you got to watch a couple. Um, I'd say the most interesting little bit of Hornets news, probably direct Hornets news has come out. JT Thor has a workout booked in for the Charlotte Hornets and two other late lottery teams, which um, I, I mean, I'm not surprised they're working JT Thor out. Uh, because teams work out guys from a wide range of draft ranges. But if they're working him out with the idea of selecting 11, that's definitely a, that's definitely a bit of a wild card. Like he was not on shot, anyone's shot radar for Charlotte at 11, like before that workout. Um, what were your thoughts on, on those reports? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was very interesting to me. I didn't expect him to be, I mean, I knew I had seen that he he was rising up quite a bit on like not only like draft Twitter or draft boards, because I mean, t to some degree, like the people on the Internet are like first to these guys that are like super low floor, super high upside swings that teams would have to be taking. But I mean, I'm not I would I'm not surprised that he ended up working for them. I would be surprised if he was like actually like really in consideration because I agree. Yeah, because like they they. I think you, you mentioned this on either the last podcast or the one before that, but like, this is also the last time for them to get like a look at these guys for like personally one-on-one -on -one for like the next four years, unless somebody gets traded or cut early or something like that, but you're not planning for those types of things. So maybe they're just like trying to get a look at him and being like, Hey, you, maybe we're not going to like actually pick him, but we would like to have some Intel on him to, I don't know, for whatever purpose that they would need that in the future. So. It, it was interesting that he was there, though. And I, I was also 
like wondering why he was the only one that had come out and or like that he was the only guy that had come out that he'd worked out for Charlotte like I, I know there were a couple of like later round guys that had done it but he's the only well, like, has, was it that he'd already worked out or was it that he had a workout booked or it might yeah one of those two things he had one either had it scheduled or I thought it was he had it scheduled from the okay report I I'm, saw, I'm gonna look but, it up right now because it was uh yeah. Bleacher Reports John Wasserman that actually like came out and tweeted it with like probably like a day and a half ago at this point but yeah because yeah, they i don't think that there have been any like high level or like lottery prospects that have been linked not yet people. and and i don't think many it's, teams it's, they have, have been working people out it's not that not the same. yeah yeah and and most prospects have been in chicago even the ones who didn't take part in the combine were there for interviews or were there just just watching or, or being there um some of them doing the medical side so it's expected. I think you'll now that Chicago is really drawing to an end, you'll really start to see guys ramping up in the next two to three weeks ahead of the draft. Um, I imagine, you know, keep an eye out on Hornets.com and their Twitter accounts, et cetera, for, for some workout photos. I think I've got a list of guys who they've worked out already, which is pre-combine, um, which I can run through here, which is a, which is a real mix of guys, that's for sure. I mean, names really for us to touch on. Uh, Eves Pons from Tennessee, uh, Jacory McLaughlin, Sandra Mamakalashvili, and Jay Huff. Those are probably like the biggest names so far. So you're talking borderline 56, 57 targets, or to be honest, undrafted free agents, all those guys. Like none of them are, are high-level players at all. So JT Thor is the only one who we know has a, has a workout. There will be more. I'm 100% sure. We'll hear about it. Um, but I expect to see that in the next few weeks. Yeah. So I, the, another guy that I, I wanted to talk about throughout this uh, through in the last few weeks, like this in the process of having the combine and pro days and workouts is Jonathan Kuminga. The Hornets aren't going to be in a draft or in a position to draft him most likely, but I have seen that like lots of uh, both like it, Twitter, like draft Twitter members and like mainstream analysts have like dropped him super far down their big board into like the tens or like late or like seven, eight, nine, ten, or for even to like the mid teens or something like that. And I was just wondering, like, what were your thoughts on him? Because I personally think he's like a clear cut, like top five prospect and his ceiling, if he pans out would be, he'd be like one of the better players in this draft. So I, I, I'm just curious as to whether or not you have a, have a gauge on why his stock seems to be falling more than any of the other picks in the you know i i don't think his stock is fallen too much if i'm being honest i think look there's a lot of draft twitter people who we're at quite a late stage in the draft cycle now and a lot of takes have got boring right yeah <laughs> like, that's true. yeah and and kaminga's not done anything at the combine whereas you've had you know the last week in chicago has been the scotty lewis pr run a uh, scotty lewis scotty barnes pr run <laughs> Um, where definitely not Scotty Lewis PR run. He's not a good week in Chicago. Um, The Scotty Barnes PR run where like he measured, he's interviewed, he did the athletic testing and now everyone's falling in love with Scotty Barnes. And Kaminga, the last thing they saw from him was he shut shut it down during like the G League bubble, which I think turned a kind of couple of people off. So I don't really think Kaminga is dropping in like the real NBA circles. I do think there is... Barnes is going to be in consideration now for like as high as four and five. 
But I mean, I have Kaminga ranked third in this draft. Uh, Cade Cunningham one, Jalen Green two. I loved what I have heard and seen out of him. Like a lot of the noise out of the G League Ignite, especially earlier, was that Jonathan Kaminga was was adapting to the game a lot better than Jalen Green. And we didn't, we saw that in like the first game, first couple of games of the G League bubble. But after that, Green definitely picked up and Kaminga kind of wavered. Um, look, there's, there's waivers about, there's a little bit of a wave about a shot. A little bit stiff. Uh, people think he he forces it has poor feel, but but I think he can be. He he was the best defender on the G League Ignite. Um, he he's a flexible like he can probably guard. I'm not going to say one through five because it's completely overused, right? I would say that he can guard two till four, yeah. you know, comfortably, and and some ones, some fives, depending on matchups. Uh, he's shown really good passing flashes for someone with his size and frame to have those flashes. His his jump shot is like a little long. Um, it's not the prettiest looking thing, but from what I understand, he, he shot it pretty well while with the G League Ignite and during his pro day. Um, and he's just got a, a monstrous frame. I mean, you see the guy and he just screams out NBA like starting caliber wing. Um, he's one of the youngest guys in the draft class. Picked up the game relatively late, originally from the Congo, I think. So there's a lot of things there that, for me, still suggest that Kaminga has got a really high ceiling. And he's got that feel, which is, for me, if you don't have basketball feel, you're never going to have that really high ceiling. But for me, he does have that. And I I don't think he is dropping down in NBA circles, just to, to reconfirm. I just think people have got a little bit bored with it. They've watched a lot of tape and suddenly it's a cool hot take to have Kaminga down in the tens and fifteens. It, it's not going to happen. He's not going outside the top six. I'm can, I could almost guarantee it. Yeah. I would, I would be very surprised if that happened too, because I like I, his feel. I'm, I, I just like the big thing to me is like for someone that hasn't been playing that long, he does just look like a natural on the basketball court often enough to where you'd be like, okay, we can work with, the shaky jump shot mechanics and you know he, he he was really good at defense but even then like he wasn't always you know being caught or conscious of the system and like where he's supposed to be and stuff like that but I mean I think that you know those are things everything that he's bad at is something that is supposed to be strengths for NBA teams developing players like shooting just like general defensive awareness and like making playmaking reads and stuff like that which he's already pretty good at like for somebody who hasn't been playing that long like those are the things that teams are supposed to be really good at developing. So I'd I'd rather bet on somebody that needs those things to improve than like somebody that's not six eight and like two hundred and fifteen two hundred and twenty pounds that's like ripped to shreds and moves really well. Like I, that's the exact type of guy that you'd take a swing on in the lottery. But and that's what he what Jonathan Kaminga is. But he is at six on the latest mock draft. So that's what that's kind of like what sparked that thought and wanted me to bring it up on the podcast too. Yeah. I- and what I will say, like, Kaminga, if you've seen him get interviewed, I watched his film session with Mike Schmitz um, a while ago. Yeah. And one of the first notes that I made was just, like, doesn't jump off the pace. He was the most exciting guy to talk to. No. Like, whether it's nerves, whether it's, you know, still adapting to the, the language, whether it's just he's really young, which is perfectly understandable. Like, but you, you then compare, you contrast that to Scotty Barnes, who's like has a smile that lights up the room is super professional. Like everything you hear is just great. Amazing. And if you were to sit down and interview those two guys, there's, there's no question on which one you'd feel more drawn to drawn to and like warmth. 
Um, I, I can promise you it's Barnes, but look, it's not the nicest guy. It's not the, you know, the best yeah, player in right. the NBA. Yeah. And, and I've got Barnes ranked sixth. Like I'm, I'm pretty high on Barnes as well. But I also think people, you start, you almost, you pass, a lot of people who analyze the draft, like past watching tape now. And now they're looking at other things like the interviews, combine stuff, uh, what they're hearing and seeing reporting. And then that's just getting kind of like exaggerated through almost like Chinese whispers, really. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no way Kaminga's being out outside that top five, top six. Yeah. So I did, I, do you want us to just keep moving on with this, with this ESPN mock draft and talk about who uh, Jonathan Gavoni has the Hornets getting uh, at 11? Yeah. Latest update. Yeah. So they, Gavoni has right now the Hornets selecting Franz Wagner at pick number 11. And then it picks number 56 and 57 has them selecting Luca Garza and Jeremiah Robinson Earl who, I mean, we've, we've touched on guards before. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is probably not someone we've really talked about. Um, was a, a, I want to say sophomore at Villanova this year. Was he a junior? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, think uh, he was a I believe he was a sophomore. Yeah, no, he was a sophomore. He was a freshman. Yeah, like if you look at his combine results, terrible athlete, not long, like scored really poorly in all those things, but just really high basketball IQ, um, plays really hard, plays really smart, was the, the best player probably on that Villanova team this year. And at the start of the year, he was a late first round pick sort of guy. And he kind of slipped mainly due to his three point shooting, not really improving that much. And like coming, I, I remember watching one of the first games of the year, it might be the first college basketball I watched this year. I think it was Villanova against USC. And they're talking about Jeremiah Robinson Earl being like the best defender in college basketball. And all I can tell you is that that was not the case <laughs> um, yeah, right. over the course of the season. Like he's a good defender, but the way they were talking about him, I was like strapping in like, oh, I'm ready to see some like Pat Beverly type level stuff. Like he's going to be influencing him. But ultimately he just doesn't have the size or the length of athleticism to be like a serious impact defender. But he can be a super smart guy who doesn't make mistakes, um, executes the scheme, does show flashes on offense. Like we think that there's more to come from him and has flashes like good ball movements. So he was late first round pick. I think I was. what I'm doing this year is I'm actually tracking the ESPN mock drafts over the year so I can see like how guys stock changes. And Jeremiah Robertson Earl was mocked in the, the late first round back at the start of the season. And he's now ranked 57th. So he has like dropped a long way and he's not even been bad. It's not like he's had, had a Brandon Boston season where like, he's just been bad. He's just not really got much better. And I think that's what basically turns scouts off. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts? Kind of, we, we've talked about Luca Garza before, but what are your thoughts with Franz at 11 and, and Jeremiah at 57? See, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Franz. I personally, I have him ranked at 11th right now on my board. So, I mean, the math checks out. That would be a perfect pick in my eyes. Like, and the, in Gaboni's explanation, he just mentions that, like, surrounding LaMelo Ball with versatile players is a priority. And, like, you need those big wings that can defend at least, one, like, a couple of positions. Like, it's not like you're, like you said, it's not like you're asking a guy to guard one through five, like people say too often nowadays. But Franz can come in, defend the forward spots. Maybe not like power forwards right away, but he can defend small forwards and like the bigger shooting guards. 
He can hopefully shoot threes. He has like a projection to be able to be a shooter at some point, even though he doesn't have the best numbers at, uh, at Michigan last year. And I mean, yeah, having a six, nine guy that you at least hope can shoot, he's a good playmaker in both transition and in the half court. And he defends like that. That's uh, those are the types of guys you surround a superstar point guard with. So, I mean, I would be fine with that pick. It wouldn't be the necessarily like the highest upside swing though. I do think he has like more upside than I guess he's given credit for because like uh, of the, I think like of the mid to late lottery guys, it's like him and Kispert are the quote unquote safe picks. But like, that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have more upside. Like I think, both of them, yeah, like I think both of them have like upside and like some pretty clear paths to improving from where they are now in the NBA. But like, I don't think that uh, having that a safe pick would be a bad thing either necessarily. Like the Hornets do just need to add good players to their team. And at a certain point, you just draft good players. And Franz, Franz is a good player. So I, I would be, I'd be more than fine with that. You know who else had limited upside coming out of college? Mikel who? Bridges. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Mikel Bridges is currently like one of the best defenders in the league, starting small forward on a potential, you know, going to the NBA finals team. Yeah. Um, and it would be, be great if we could draft a star at 11, right? It would be fantastic. At the same time, this team needs role players. It needs defenders. Franz yeah. is a really good defender. Uh, he's not Mikel Bridges level, but I would say that's probably like his his strength is more on the defensive end. He shows, yes, some nice playmaking flashes here. And when he's like open, he can shoot it. But for what I really like is his help defense, his ability to switch and kind of contain penetration. Um, and I think that would, I mean, right now, Franz Wagner, I think he gets minutes for the Phoenix Suns. All right. I reckon he gets minutes ahead of uh, Abdul Nader got minutes the other night. Like, I think he gets minutes ahead of him, almost like guaranteed. I think he gets minutes for the Clippers. Um, I'd say he'd probably play ahead of like a, a Luke Kennard right now. Um, then look at a book, Bucks Hawks. I think he gets minutes over Solomon Hill. I think he probably gets minutes over like a, maybe a Bryn Forbes or a Pat Connaughton. So I see a role where he could be playing in these current playoffs right now. And I don't think that's like ridiculous to, to make that claim because no. tell me a team. We talk about this every single trade deadline for agency. You want a guy who can guard multiple positions, check. You want a guy who can shoot, check. You want a guy who can play make as well. And a guy who can defend well. And, and Franz ticks all those boxes. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, the, I, I don't think that's ridiculous at all to say that he would be, like, playing a role for the Bucks. Like, they, uh, you, I would be willing to bet, I, a, like, a solid amount of, like, whatever, money, like, reputation, pride, whatever. Like, that Franz is a better player at this exact moment on June 29th at 6.14 p.m. when we're recording this at, than, like, Pat Connaughton. Like, I, I, you just can't convince me otherwise. Like, he's bigger he also is like a shooter that can't really shoot. Uh, and then he's like Pat Connaughton, super athletic, but Franz is a better playmaker. So like the, yeah, like these types of guys always like, no matter where you draft them, like it's not like picking a guy that is a super high level role player long-term is bad. Like Mikhail Bridges is never going to be a star. I'd be very surprised if he makes an all-star team at any point in his career, but the Phoenix Suns are probably ecstatic that they picked him in the top 10 because he's the perfect complement to what they need. He's the, you need those guys if you have a star. And guess what? The Hornets have a star. 
So we have to surround him with players like Mikhail Bridges, like that, that like Franz that can help them and just take the pressure off of them to do like, you don't want LaMelo out there. You don't want LaMelo to be the best defender on the floor. Like you want him to be the best passer and best offensive player on the floor. So he can maximize himself. Franz can play the off ball defense. He can do the, the spot up shooting. And like, this goes for like, like a Moses Moody or Corey Kispert as well, or maybe even like something like a, Mo, uh, like a Usman Garuba, if he develops his shot a little bit would be like the same type of just defender spot up shooter playmaker. Like there are a lot of guys in this Hornet in this draft range for the Hornets that like can probably come in and do some pretty good things for them right away. And it's, it's kind of just a matter of how, what they're leaning at, at like whether or not they want that or like a, like an upside swing, like if Zaire Williams is there or Kai Jones or something. But I also think it's we do this thing where we like to just throw that someone's not an upside player. We just throw that yeah, around every yeah. single draft. Um, there really aren't and, that many guys that have like no upside. Like that's a hard thing to have. <laughs> you got to be 24 I'm, when you're drafted, basically. Absolutely not. And I mean, you can go back and look through just like Kevin Herter. Preview, yes, probably that's another one. That's a perfect example. Didn't view him as a high upside player. Yeah. Like he's he's developed he's like he's blocked more shots he's like third in blocks in the nba playoffs have you seen the stat no, like only capella and gobert have blocked more shots or something than kevin herder like, yeah and known rim protector kevin herder yeah right <laughs> yeah he, he's developed that you see it with the grizzlies with the guys that they've draft whether it be desmond bain whether it be xavier, xavier tillman they draft guys who they think oh they're not they've not got any upside but these guys do develop more in the pros just because, but we, we stick that label on them in the draft and then it sticks with them. And then we're all shocked. I, do you want to hear a little comp for Franz that will give you flashback nightmares? Yeah, I think, I think I got a, a feeling. Nick Patoom. Yep. There it is. Yes. <laughs> I knew, I knew that was who it would be when you said, which is flashbacks. actually a really good it's comp a, for Franz. Yeah, and it is. And if someone ends up having Nick Patoom's career, Guess what? That dude made $125 million and was like a borderline all-star for a few years. And like he was, he had a really good, he's had a really good career. And now he's like playing super important playoff minutes. If Franz has the career of like statistical numbers of like a Nick Batum type player, that's fine. Like that's a good pick. Yeah. So we, we both like Franz. Um, I, I, I've said it before on the draft and people are probably thinking, James, why are you contradicting yourself here? Because I've always said before that my philosophy is always to swing. So I'm always taking a chance on the guy who I think has the highest ceiling. So I have got Franz a little bit lower than you. I've got him like 14. But I don't think by any means when you're taking Franz, you're like settling in for a fifth starter or like role player. There's just, there's just no way you can tell me somebody who's that young because even though he's a sophomore, he's the same age as most freshmen um he's still definitely growing into his body like his limbs are so long right now it doesn't look like he can yeah, fully control like them really skinny, yeah and, and like we touched on with Kaminga, he's got feel man like he can mm-hmm. pass the ball so if his shot really comes on like he's got a good enough first step to get through and then like make a play off that like initial penetration which unfortunately some people just don't have that cerebral thinking of of ball movement and understanding he does have that um so yeah we're, we're both on team friends uh, we, we were talking before the podcast the hornets can probably select what 10 to 12 different players this draft and i think a lot of people would be happy yeah the the amount of players that are going to be or we presume at this moment will be available in that 
range of 11 is there there's just a lot of players that both fit what they need and represent like a good upside swing to take like yeah they drafted two centers last year but if they picked Kai Jones or like Isaiah Jackson or Alperin Shangun I don't think anybody would complain because like Kai Jones if he pans out is going to be extremely good most likely Shangun already is like a really productive offensive big and then like you know you got like Isaiah Jackson could be a really good defender like they're even and then you get like the safe safer quote-unquote players that we just talked about that are like not as like are not as much of a developmental project like Franz Moses Moody Corey Kispert and you could even throw like I think Zaire Williams could come in and probably make some make some jump shots for them right away Jaden Springer would probably help them defensively right away too like the like we've just in the last like thirty seconds we've already rattled off like eight to ten names of like and all of uh, like we both would be fine with both all pretty much any of them. I know a lot of other fans would like everybody has their people that they like more obviously, but like I feel like there's just not that many guys that people are like oh my god the Hornets cannot draft him like last year there were so many people that were in like the anti Wiseman anti Lamelo anti Anthony Edwards anti Killian Hayes camps on uh, Yeko Kongwu. And like you mo like some people were like really firmly against picking guys like mm-hmm. that, even if they were like the quote unquote best player available or guys that they liked had been taken. But I just don't, I don't get that sense among, among Hornets fans this year. It feels like, I mean, I think that also just states to the general or go, speaks to the general state of the team too, just being better and having less things to draft for. You're just like, oh, get somebody that's good to play alongside Lamelo, maybe a big if that's there. Other than that, like you know, we're, we've we've already got the franchise point guard and some good role playing forwards and uh, guards. So I think I am helps. I am going to hold you accountable there, Chase. Right. Second half of the year, you were happy the Hornets were losing games. You were happy that they were sliding down to 11 so that they could get a better draft pick. Everything you've said just there, right, suggests now that you maybe don't think there's much difference between finishing 11th and finishing 16th in the draft, which is like maybe where they would have ended up if they made the playoffs. So now, knowing what you know now, now we're deeper into the draft cycle, would you change your your kind of what you said then at all now, or, or no. do you still feel like that strongly this way? No, I mean, I like they. I don't think that that would have done like that. They wouldn't have won a playoff series. So to me, it's like just get because like you never know who could fall. I guess like the like what if I don't know like Scotty Barnes or Josh Giddy or something is available at eleven. Like that would make that would be different. Those two guys, there's no chance that they fall to sixteen. And I feel like I just think that the general caliber of player is better. Like, like I would, I, I don't think that I would uh, have gone back and changed. Like, it, it always helps to just be higher. And like, the difference in what would have happened, like, or what actually happened, and what would have happened if they had won a few more games, is just them maybe getting smacked by the Sixers in the first round or something, or like winning the first playoff game and then losing the second one or playing game. I mean, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm fine with uh, how everything worked out. They're, right. they're like, if they were, you know, if they lost that coin flip and were 12, 13, 14, like, I wouldn't have been super upset. It would have stunk. But, like, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're dropping, like, to that far, like, and being, like, one of, like, Boston or, like, Washington picks or something like that, that I think would have made, like, a little bit of a difference. Because then you're, like, really waiting for, a, like, a Franz or Moody, Keon Johnson, Book Knight, whoever, to fall more so than 
being in their range, I guess. Now, something else I want to run past you is a little trade proposal that I've kind of thought up just over the last week, and I've, I've tweeted it out, so some people might have already seen it if they follow me. What would your thoughts be on trading an 11th pick to OKC for 16 and 18? Hmm. Oh, that's actually, that's a tough, that, I, I think it would have to be something that happens like right on draft night for me to really like buy into it and have like, cause then at that point you'd think that the GMs have more of a gauge on exactly yeah. where teams are going because it's like, Oh, you, you need to decide within the next like hour, like who you want to pick rather than having a week or something like that. Uh, that's tough though. I just really like being in the lottery and like having a basically a top 10 pick, but 16 and 18, like those are still good enough to where like you could pick. And then, then, then at that rate, you can pick like a one guy that you theoretically might need to develop more that has like a lower floor, higher ceiling. And then like, you could pick like Chris Duarte or something that yeah. could like, like what we talked about with Franz, Chris Duarte absolutely. also could absolutely be playing minutes on a playoff team in the NBA, like right now and next season in his, as a rookie. So like, you could get that guy that's going to be able to come in and play 18 minutes, and then you could develop somebody else in the G League. Ah, oh, that's so tough. It, it just, just you know, in ESPN's latest mock, which the reason we keep quoting ESPN is because Draft Express, the ESPN guys, Jonathan Gaboni, Mike Schmitz, have a track record of having the most accurate mock draft year on year on year. So it's not that we are just like slaves to ESPN here. Um, we, we both use different sites and different guys to get analysis from, but in terms of accuracy for who's available, like ESPN, they'll put guys to certain teams and they won't say that this is down due to Intel, but they'll have Intel there, but they just don't want to publish it for agents. So they're, they're the most accurate. On the latest mock, available between 16 and 20, they've got Shangun, Garuba, Moody, Sharif Cooper, Jared Butler. And, and like you say, Chris Duarte is still available as well. Zaire Williams would be available. So you could get two of those guys, which, and, and we've both just said, sat here saying, you know, there's 10 guys who Charlotte would be happy with. Well, you could come out with two of them. And like you said, I, my, my brain went exactly where you went, where I was thinking developmental piece, immediate short term. I was thinking Chris Duarte, great. Then you can take one of your Isaiah Jacksons, Moses Moody, Garuba, like Shangun, which is a bit more of a project. And you've got two bites of the apple. And I think half the teams would have those guys ranked up at 11. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty supportive of that. Would OKC want to do it? They'd only do that if there's someone particular they targeted. And I mean, OKC have so many draft picks, they can afford to throw them in. So if they really wanted Jalen Johnson, for example... They could, but they know he's not going to get to 16. They could just choose to just go get him. Uh, but I, I think with this year's draft, I'm not normally one for trading back, right? But for this yeah. year's draft, uh, I'd be pretty interested in that deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not either. Like, trading back is my, like, it, it rarely, like, trading pick dra it, during the draft at all is not something that I'm, like, super big into. Like, you just get, like, because you, I don't think giving up more draft assets to help yourself in a one draft the math doesn't necessarily work out giving up two picks to get one unless you're like a good team is the only time you can really do that. But I, I also, yeah, I mean, I might, I would probably, if, I mean, if that, like, if we just 
looked up at our phones and it said, Woj tweeted that the Charlotte Hornets have traded pick 11 for pick 16 and 18 when, you know, pick five or six was rolling around. I don't think I would be upset. Like, I think I would be like, okay, you know, I don't necessarily want them to do that, but like, I, I think I'd not, I wouldn't think I'd have like a negative reaction to it, I guess, which is really all you want. Like, cause then from there you can reason with it and like make yourself feel confident about it a lot easier than like having it be something like, Oh, the Hornets traded the 11th pick for, you know, the, the Houston Rockets 23rd and 24, like that would be like, okay, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. But you know, if you're only dropping a few spots, like to the edge of the lottery and you know, like there's still going to be some guy that we like, just because we like, you know, sit, we like six guys. We're only dropping five spots. Like one of them mathematically just has to be there. So yeah. I th- yeah. I think I, I, yeah, I think as we talked this out, I think I'm, I'm on board with that if it were to happen now. Now I'm prepared for when, when Mitch Kupchak makes the move. So Man, I just I just got Chase to agree to trade back yeah, in, the, think, in the draft. That's an achievement right there. Yeah. It could just because, like, like, I'm just looking at, like, I've been going back and forth looking at my big board and this mock draft while we're thinking about it. I have, At 16 and 18, I have Shangun 16th and Garuba 18th, but then Duarte is 19th. If they picked Shangun and Duarte out of this draft, that would be so, that'd be awesome. Like I'd, I'd be so happy. Like even if, even if it meant like not getting someone or like Moses Moody at 11, like I think the sum of those two guys might, especially in the rookie year, but maybe even in the future, like as role players might end up being more than what Moody's or, you know, whoever else that guy might be at 11 would be. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think I'm into that. There we go. I'm glad we talked this out. I hope, hopefully, hopefully the, uh, the listeners uh, were along with us for this journey and their, their brains were turning with us as well. Uh, another guy I want to touch on who seems to be probably one of the, the, the biggest risers in the last few weeks high up in the draft. And I think now, judging off reports, I don't think he'll be there at 11, which I'm surprised at. James Bucknight, mm-hmm. who in ESPN's drafts in, in late May, he was ranked 19th. In mid-June, he was ranked 14th. And now, as of the update of the day, he's ranked 8th. And a couple of quotes from the ESPN, from Jonathan Gavoni about Bucknight. Quote, Eastern Conference executive, his pro days was one of the most impressive workouts I've ever seen. Okay? Now... Pro days, we have to be careful, right? I've heard Chad Ford before say these seem the two most impressive workouts he's ever seen in his life. Well, one, Damian Lillard. Okay, so you're thinking, oh, impressive workout equals good player. Two, Darko Milicic, right? So you can't just take a great, pro, like a, a George Open pro day and be like, yeah, that means he's going to be a great player. But, you know, one of those guys did turn out to be an all NBA first team level player in Lillard. Another completely different source said that after Buck Knight's pro day, it proved that he was one of the best shooters in the draft, which he shot 29% from three this year, 34% last year. He was not an efficient shooter. And that's probably one of the knocks on him. If hearing those quotes, hearing how well he's shooting the ball, a lot of people said it's down to his shot selection and the role that he played at UConn and being focused in on and taking a lot of kind of difficult off-balance jumpers. Do you think 
do you think it's right that he's moved up into that range, firstly, to be like a, a top 10 pick? And um, do you agree now that it's unlikely for him to be there at 11? Because like a week or two ago, I would have told you, yeah, but like, he, he can probably be there, but now I'm not sure. Yeah, see, I think it's so, like, so, I think he definitely deserves to be in that range. I don't know if I personally would pick him like in the top 10. I have him 12th on my big board. So I like, I like him. Like, I think he's pretty good. I'm not like, I didn't, when you, the, the Gaboni report that said that he looked like one of the best shooters in the draft. That's super surprising because he was like very much not a good shooter. He was a good scorer, absolutely, and like he he will he will be right away because he's so athletic. He has a good ball handling. He can get to the rim really well. Like he at his peak probably is a, is like one of the more effective three level like guard scorers in the league. Be just because it, like the athleticism, handle, shoot, shot making combo would be good, but the shots did not go in very often at UConn. And to, I mean, if that is true that he has like ironed out his shooting percent or, uh, or efficiency and is now actually like one of the better shooters in the draft, like I would absolutely pick him in the top 10 on the, on the mock draft that I posted on at the hive, I had him going 10th to new Orleans. I think that's just like a really good fit for him as well. Just playing off of Lonzo Ingram and Zion. It's like, okay, when, you know, Lonzo makes plays, and you run the break with Lonzo because he's actually a really good lob catcher for a guard. They ran like a fair amount of plays, like just getting him, or setting like back screens for him and getting him running along the baseline so they could throw up a lob to him. So, I mean, that that's something that he'll be able to do already, like just moving around off the ball and finding his spots and cutting to the basket while his shot develops. If it's, I mean, and may, maybe it doesn't need to develop quite as much as, we thought it would which would be that'd be huge for him because that's like the one thing that people really have doubts about but yeah I I think that he's at least deserving of consideration for top 10 and if he's actually that good of a shooter then he absolutely is a top 10 pick in my mind another interesting tidbit that came out from the combine and he started playing basketball six or seven years ago yes I didn't know that I didn't know that I heard that on a well I think it was Chad Ford's podcast I'm not sure where I heard it yeah I want to say it might be Mavs draft, you know. Um, it was, yes, because I listened to them back-to-back in the car today while I was driving. Yes, there you it, go. It was Mavs draft. Shout-out to him, too. He's a really good draft yeah. analyst, and he does it, like, all just all, just his own scouting stuff. It's He's really good. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a real sucker for late bloomers, right? You see it time and time again, these guys who develop late physically or pick up the game late. They – they're just way earlier on their curve. Like, you know, when you play sport, you will have a development curve from the minute you start playing to the minute you finish and it will go up and down. But generally for the first 10, 15 years, the more you play, the better you get. It's a general rule, right? And if Buck Knight's only been playing for six or seven years, then he is still relatively early in his development curve. And another thing that he said during his um, sit down interview with Mike Schmitz, where they broke down film was that in fresh as a freshman in high school, he couldn't even dunk the ball. Um, so he's also been like a late developing athlete, which makes me think there's just still still more to come there. And, and I've had I've had Buck Knight down at 21. And I, I sent out a tweet the other day saying, I'm going to look at some of the guys who I'm lowest on compared to consensus. Who do I need to look at? And one of the guys I got was Moody. One of the guys was Buck Knight. And I spent probably about an hour watching Buck Knight film today. And I, I, I made some... I, I, dived in pretty deep i made some notes i've not gone through and compared him yet to like i don't know where if i'm going to move him up or where i'll move him up but 
all I will say is after watching some more film, I was a little bit more impressed than the first time. And I, you know, just these little nuggets that we're hearing about having a great workout, going really hard, best shoot in the draft, playing for six or seven years, late bloomer athletically, like all these things. You know, the other thing, he, he had a um, shoulder surgery during the season this year. So there's perfectly understandable to think that that's affected his shooting as well. He then came back from the shoulder surgery, but like you've been having however many weeks off, not being able to play your shots. Never, like we saw what Lamella was come, looked like coming back from his wrist injury. Yeah. Um, now his shoulder, his elbow surgery was on his left arm, not his right. So it wasn't the same as Lamella, like his shooting arm, but that's still going to affect you. And it's going to stop you getting reps up. And you're still talking about such a small sample size in college basketball. So I definitely think he's a better shooter now than I think I, I did maybe coming off the end of the college season. Um, but the fact that he's moved into like a top 10 lock now, that's, it's interesting to me. I, I'm not going to ever have him that high. I don't think, um, but he's, he's had a really good week at the combine. Yeah. He is definitely somebody that helped themselves over the last week or over the last week in Chicago. And I mean that if he ends up being, the, the like as good of a shooter as Gaboni says he is I wouldn't be surprised if he's in consideration at like maybe even like five or six or seven for Orlando because they have eight too and then that's another team that needs shooting there there are a lot of teams that need that kind of like guard play once you get out of the the top five lock like Golden State needs a backup for Steph Orlando needs everything you know or Oklahoma City needs everything New Orleans needs like more guard play to help take some pressure off of Zion. And then, you know, the Hornets are just going to be sitting there at 11, you know, taking the best of whatever falls to them. So I'm excited. We're about a month out from the NBA drafts. The rumor mill is going to be heating up soon. Uh, what, what is the, what do you, what is your best guess for the next Hornets rumor? Which, which center prospect will they be linked to or, uh, or which, which person are they going to make a ludicrous trade for? Uh, in the, just in the draft. Yeah, or or anybody like they could trade. What was it? Uh, some I saw somebody. I don't even want to like actually go take the time to look at it because it was a terrible trade. It was the Hornets giving up Terry PJ and a first round pick to get Josh Richardson and help facilitate a trade that got Damian Lillard, I think, to the Mavericks. <laughs> it was just like no, thank you. <laughs> this is not what the Hornets are for. We do not. We do not need to trade. <laughs> uh, we, we need a lottery we need pick. To- we Josh need the draft and free agency so we can stop some of these bored Twitter GMs throwing out like just stupid stuff. Because, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, they want to try to get their team better. But um, being like, oh, what team do I like? And what team do I not care about? Okay, let's just give me a trade <laughs> that works from these two these yeah. two teams. Yeah. Um, some couple of before we finish up, a couple of droppers I want to touch on from the combine. Guys who who've now dropped to the point where I think could potentially be available around that 56, 57 mark. Greg Brown. What a, what a drop. Poor Greg Brown, man. I know. Um, Greg Brown has now dropped. Well, let's see here. I'm completely lost him on my chart, which is great timing yeah, here. He's, he's 53rd in their mock draft right now. And like, he is, I mean, he, uh, he definitely started the year in the first round. Like no, no, oh. no. Like he maybe, was maybe he was as like high as like 12 13. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe like late lottery, even. And like well, I'm not a Greg Brown guy, but 53 is that's just too low for somebody that can move, get off the floor like that. And one month ago, hard. one month ago, he was ranked 30th. Yeah, that's not long to go 23 spots. 
I know. So it, my point is, if I was an early Greg Brown adopter, I mean, Greg Greg Brown was one of these people that he didn't he didn't really stand out. He had good measurements and good athleticism testing at the combine, but for Greg Brown, it needed to be like Keon Johnson level, right? Like he was so bad in other facets, he needed to be like a physical freak, both in terms of his his profile and his athleticism. And he was just regular old good, which I don't think really helped him. Apparently, he didn't interview very well. That's something that I heard, um, which you might have heard as well. I think Chad Ford shared that one. You know, in fact, it was on ESPN's like mock draft, maybe. Um, so if he's down at 53, I mean, count me in for signing up for that project. I mean, and I mean project with a capital P. He is two years away, at least. Lots of time in Greensboro, but I would love to take a gamble on him. Max Asmus has now dropped out of ESPN's mock draft altogether. For me, I think he's probably going to return to school rather than like actually go undrafted. So he's not really someone I think that Charlotte will be able to target. Uh, and we already have, you know, the the not the small school scoring guard in Grant Riller, which we couldn't ever possibly replace with Max Asmus. So um, Raekwon Gray is now down to be, I think, undrafted, or is he down to be like the last pick of the draft? What have they got him down here? No, they've got him undrafted now. Yep. So he was a guy who just, again, a month ago was ranked like 42nd in their draft. So he's a guy who could be available. Um, Johnny Juzang dropped down, might go back to school, might stay in the draft. Hard to know, but he could be a guy as well. Um, Henry from Michigan State. I was really surprised that he dropped as far as Aaron Henry. He was 29th, literally, again, same, same, a month ago, he was 29th. Greg Brown was 30th. Aaron Henry's now ranked down 50th, and he didn't do anything at the combine, which yeah. was interesting. So it's interesting like, how that harms some people a lot more than others. I'd really well, like to ask, like, a, like, obviously, you can't do this and get like a 100% like serious answer or like something that's not guarded a little bit, but like, ask a scout why does like Aaron Henry sitting in the combine drop him 20 spots but Brandon Boston is you know what like five to ten spots or something like I, I just I would be really curious to hear someone's perspective as like well me too this is why this happened to Aaron Henry but Brandon Boston has this thing that made him not fall like I, I, I have no clue what that would be like we don't I don't think fans or like non NBA or agency employees get that type of like Intel or often enough to like really know anyway. But yeah, it, it's just an interesting thing. Like Aaron Henry. Someone tell me how Joel Ayai went ranked 56th at ESPN, sat out the cup, didn't get invited to the yeah. G League elite camp or the combine, or did he turn down an invite? Although the way I saw it reported was he didn't get invited. He's now moved up to 49th. Like, he he's actively been unselected and he's moved up. And and Dacia Nix was another guy who a month ago he was ranked 59th. Yes, he slimmed down, but he didn't make a field goal, I don't think, in the whole of the scrimmages. And I thought he looked really poor. He's now moved up to 42. And like, how's how's Nix moved up? I mean, I'm guessing it's just from the conditioning, right? I'm yeah, guessing they're just putting it all on that, but. Yeah, there's some weird ones there where even guys who've played or, or haven't played, they've somehow moved up. And it, it's really confusing how some of this work. And that's why whenever I look up, I don't know what you're like, but with mock drafts, I only really use ESPN 
because for me, they're the only guys who are really keyed in to a large number of, of agents, um, to players, to organizations. I don't, I'm not saying that they have the best like prospect um, analysts. Like I think there's loads of good analysts out there like Jeremy Wu, Jonathan Wasserman, um, Mavs Jaffs, we talked about earlier, the guys over at the Stepien, CJ Marchese, Lee Branscombe, like guys we're going to have on the podcast in terms of breaking down, but they'll admit it themselves. Those guys aren't linked into organizations to get intel on where people will go. They're just more kind of kind of scouting type analysts. And that's why I just ESPN just always have a track record of being the most spot on with that. Yeah, see that I like pretty much follow them and the athletic are like the two mock drafts that I really like. I'm like, okay, this is more uh, like has Intel worked into where these guys are more so yeah. than like scouting perspective. And like, both it's not of just like this guy valuable. would fit well here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, Oh, I have done like a lot of research on whoever. And I think that they're a top 20, whatever player. And it's like that, that is also uh, like a valuable thing. I read stuff that's like that too. But like when I'm looking for draft rumors or per se, or to get like a, like a real view of how it might play out, I would, I would definitely go, for ESPN and like uh, Sam Bassini's on the athletic. He's like super plugged in with agents and stuff. And Jeremy Wu, like you said, is another guy. Uh, he works for sports illustrated. That seems to be like really plugged in with NBA people and stuff too. So yeah. I maybe. have to admit, I emailed Sam Bassini about uh, trying to get him to come on this podcast and he must just have a busy schedule because he's not come back right. to me yet. Uh, but yeah. when he does chase, when he does, um, I, I even tried to like bribe him. I was like, hey, Sam, like, you know, we, we mentioned you pretty much like every other week on the podcast. It'd be great if you could come on. Um, but yeah, not, not got that response yet. So I don't think we'll be hearing from Sam anytime soon, but if we do, I'll be coming back in a triumphant fashion. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be super awesome. I, I, I mean, Hey, I, if he's listening, which I'm sure that there's, that he might be, because uh, I know, I mean, I, I I know he got a new email address, so that might be why. But uh, maybe if he hears this, he'll he'll, he'll ch- send us his new one, so so we can we can get into contact about that. That would you, be that would be awesome, though. You got to try, man. You you, you know, yeah, I'm always up for shooting my shot with our guests. Yeah, worst thing that can happen is you send the email, and then it just eventually just moves down the list of the inbox, and that doesn't hurt anybody. So there we go. This is the to, to par- our parting. Parting words with the episode. Shoot your shot. You never know what can happen. There we go. You got anything else you want to you wanna talk about before we send the listeners on their merry way? I've, um, well, I've figured out like my plans for summer and I'm now going to be away in like the most rural part of the country, literally the most rural part of the UK for the draft. And I am scared shitless about my internet, right? Because if I can't watch the draft or podcast or anything from like the middle of nowhere in Devon in England, um, I'm going to be really angry. And I tried to really hard to avoid going away over this period because like, what, 29th of July to the 2nd of August, it's like draft and free agency rolled into four days. But it just didn't work out this way. So it's now looking like I'm going to be away. I'm still going to be able to give content, I hope. But I'm just hoping my internet holds out. So that's my that's my big worry now. Well, so we'll get you set up out there with like a, like a tinfoil hat and some antennas. And you just like stand on the top of a mountain, hold them in the air with, them, with like some Apple headphones to talk into or something. We'll, we'll get it figured out. Yeah, we'll find a way. I will find a way no matter what. All right, there we go. So 
Thank you all for listening to another episode of At The Hive Live. We will see you guys, I don't know when exactly, but we will be back soon for another draft episode as we round into the grand old event exactly one month from today when we're recording this on July 29th. See you guys.